Hey everybody, it's Nolan North, you know, Nathan Drake from Uncharted, and you're listening to the Geek Apocalypse Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest edition, if I could only speak English, that would help with this English related podcast. I'm going to keep that in to show that this is authentic, um, but welcome everyone to the Geek Apocalypse Podcast, which is what I was trying to say, which is a tongue twister for anyone really, no matter what language. Um, and I'm really excited about this episode, but first of all I want to explain the delay slightly and why this episode took a while to be put up, because have you ever, I'm sure I'm preaching to the converted here, um, had an incredibly um, sore toothache or slash gums where you to the point of where i actually for a couple of days struggled to speak and that is 100 percent true and um, because this episode was supposed to be released about four days ago and um, because we did this last wednesday uh, with gunner roxon who's today's guest so i'm going to talk about in a second um so yeah it really um was quite problematic um for, to the point of where i thought i was going to end up having to go to the dentist but i don't think i have to so that's totally fine um so anyway so um this episode is with gunner roxon who um is a previous guest uh, he actually was on over a year ago to discuss um uh, his books wild hunt and dead angels which i actually have a copy of which i mentioned in this episode um i met him originally which i think we talked about right at the beginning about um meeting at uk games expo which is a fantastic convention for board games where he was promoting uh, working with chris birch who is another uh, really nice guy who runs modifius games um, who's been on the podcast many times before. So I met this rather lovely gentleman, um, Anglo-Swedish, um, born in Sweden, but uh, predominantly lives in the UK now. And yeah, he's a really, really nice guy. Um, so yeah, and so I really wanted to talk to him because he's also did a segment for Mentally Sound, which we also touch on in this episode. But I wanted to talk to him about the writing process, which I always think is interesting. So yeah, as I said, he's wrote um, some books called Dead Angels and The Wild Hunt. The Wild Hunt was the first one, Dead Angels the second one. Um, sort of a, a um, sort of steampunky, futuristic London, um, uh, sort of a, a little bit of a detective feel to it. It's really, really fun. Uh, film noir as well, uh, which he, which he is a sort of style as well. Um, I really enjoy them. As I say, they take a proud place on my bookshelf, so um, I recommend you check them out. So he wanted to talk about the Firestorm Conspiracy, which actually he talked about last year that he's just finishing. Um, so we talked to him about that as well, as I just touched on. Doing things that you love and doing them for the sake of doing them, because you've got no other choice. So I really like that attitude, um, and I hope like people listen to this kind of um, uh, kind of uh, does that as well, because I'm doing that right now by doing this podcast. Um, he also uh, does a role-playing game called Broken Shield, so I'm going to mention two quick websites. Um, Brokenshield.co.uk is the role-playing game that he runs and uh, uh, contributes to and writes the role-playing book for. And if you want more information about Gunnar's uh, books and whatnot that I just mentioned, um, it's GunnarRoxen.com. That's G-U-N-N-A-R-R-O-X-E-N.com. Uh, really, really fun guy. We talk about being parents too. So he's a really fun guy. I really appreciate it. Please do check out his stuff. But this is the episode with Gunnar Roxen returning. Enjoy. <laughs> Thank you. 
I guess then um, a, a real obvious starting point is to just ask you how how has your good self been? And I mean, I know this already because we've been chatting even before we start. But um, so how yeah, how no. have things been since then? Good. The last year and a half has been dominated by I've had a I've got a my wife and I have had a baby daughter um, who is now you know my driving muse for everything I do. Um, <laughs> and my wife is still my muse, but yes. it's but but Ariadne, our little daughter, is she's very much part of everything I do now and and I have to build everything I do around her yeah. which is has been you know the, as every parent will know just exhausting but also amazing uh, yeah. every day yeah. so um so that's been a massive massive change and a good yeah. one I, I, I'm assuming so. Yeah, I mean, um, I, would you agree, would you agree with the idea that I, I after, I, I, there's a few things that show to me when you said that. Um, the joke that I have, a long-running joke to me and my partner, and we say it to each other, is you go like, "Oh, you are my like," particularly because with it's with it being my daughter, I say this is that I go, "Oh, you know, you're my, you are my favorite, um, you're my favorite girl until when she, Luna's not in the room." <laughs> like it's just a joke me and my partner do all the time, where I go like, "You're my favorite person when my baby's not here," <laughs> but um. Yeah. Um, but we're obviously joking about it because obviously, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, because yeah, because um, what you said in that was yeah, the implication I got is um, it what what I find nice about it, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that the great thing about having a child as well, the, the the sort of added bonus is it makes you, or at least it has in my relationship, like more um more focused on spending the like good time with your partner. Do you find that that helps too? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm. You know, the, 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 the upside of being a starving artist, as it were, is that I'm around all the time and I, I just, you know, love spending time with her and, and, and Hannah and just the whole family and just, just, you know, um, I've really been enjoying recently teaching her baby sign language and, um, Ooh. it's just, yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's, it's a definite, uh, yeah, joy to my life. Yeah, um, I mean, what, what, one of the things um, uh, is that a good idea? The um, baby sign language because we were actually like thinking about doing that because my partner thinks it's a great idea. Yeah, no, absolutely. She uh, she knows the terms now for cat and milk and drink and food. Um, mm-hmm. She can't do them all yet herself. She's mm-hmm. starting to, but she definitely responds when I make the sign for cat. She looks around for the cat mm-hmm. and things like that. So it's um, it's just one more thing. I mean, you know when. It's to try and give her tools of communication, and you know, as a as a writer and game designer, I'm desperate to give her as many tools of communication as possible. Really, I mean, I, I just want to get her into gaming as soon as possible, so I can run little, <laughs> so I can make role playing games and and write novels and stuff for her. And so, baby sign language, you know, if I can just speed it up, all the better. <laughs> <laughs> I love the I love the sort of inner like uh, um, becoming a geek uh, like that's my agenda. <laughs> I, yeah, no, I, I mean I'll, I'll just be honest. I have a big agenda here. I just want I just want to be able to share all these different things with her and and yeah, you know, I, I I just can't wait for her to be able. To, you know, the more she can communicate with us, uh, the happier she is. The more less frustrated she is, and and really <laughs> less frustrated we are. And and you know, I I, I I'm you know we read read her bedtime stories and things and she's you know she's starting to learn that books are for reading not for eating um but uh we've got a long way to go yet but yeah no it's been it's been a fun thing to teach great um well i guess uh, the other the other aspect of that which i think they came to my head when you were thinking about this is that um because because from my point of view like the way that i kind of do deal with things as i'm not i'm not necessarily that organized um or like i'm, I'm kind of like a spur of the moment type person but you find when you when you have a child 
um you know well obviously my partner had a child but it was like when you have a child enter your life is that as you said you've got to you've got to like adhere to what they need and then and, and, and what their sort of situation is but um i mean did did, did that did, did, did that help you in any way or were you always an organized person i know i'm i'm super organized oh yeah uh is my wife out of hearing range yeah uh, no, I'm, I'm definitely super organized yeah your laugh was great <laughs> yeah no i uh, no i i'm not super organized in any sense i i'm 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 obsessed committed devoted organized not so much yeah well, I guess the reason that, the, the reason I was asking, I guess, is because when you when you said the whole thing of, I was inter- I was curious about the, and interested in the idea that um, you know, because you you write things and you creative and you you, you know you're on your own time essentially. I'm, I was I guess I was thinking because it was kind of on the back of what we were talking about balance with the, 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 the when we were talking about fermently sound is the idea of like um have has it been difficult for you finding the balance of of being creative and being there for your daughter and your partner or is that something that you know you 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 I guess, like we were talking about with the writing process, do you just get better at that over time? Um, I, I've not found it. You'd almost have to ask Hannah this, yeah. Wife, or but I'd say, um, not it's not not been too bad. I think the trickiest thing for Hannah is that just because I'm physically present doesn't mean I'm always around, especially when I'm deep in thought or deep, you know, concentrating on something. And so sometimes we have to remember to you know schedule that time to look at look you know that i'm not that that's being interrupted can completely destroy the flow on the other hand sometimes i should be interrupted because i do have to have you know there's a fair burden of and fair amount of time that i should be spending with my child and i shouldn't be ignoring her especially if i find that occasionally hannah has to poke me because i'm sat in the living room writing or something and i get poked because ariadne's just been staring up at me with a big smile and loving eyes for like 10 minutes <laughs> i noticed her and oh. you know that's that immediately is like an ice pick in my heart because I'm like, oops. Yeah. And so, you know, it's it's it, it can be tricky. Um, but I certainly the first few months I didn't get a lot done. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that's unique to me no. or anyone else. Every, no. you know, every new parent goes through that. So yeah. um, it's certainly it's just building up a, a a process of how we handle that and how we discuss it. As long as we're talking about it, though, it's all fine. To be yeah. Honest. Oh, good. Yeah. That, yeah. That's a really good. Uh like asterisk to put on it because that's something i talk to my partner about all the time is that it's not necessarily that you know because as you said i think everyone reacts to being a parent different ways and then you know when i talk to my parents about it or whatever um is that yeah everyone kind of reacts and do things differently but um i think yeah exactly what you said is absolutely very wise is that as long as you communicate to your your partner and realize like you know you're gonna maybe fumble or not quite get it right or uh, in different stages but as long as you like communicating to your partner about like sort of be, you know get, um putting your ideas together and coordinating with each other and uh, working as a team then um it's fine really uh, after yeah, that, and, yeah and also you know i allow her to be annoyed at me sometimes because sometimes yeah. my creative process can be annoying mm-hmm. you know if i'm really i can see why she'd want me to focus on being there at certain times and yeah. i have to make that decision about maybe sometimes I need to go and do this thing and write it. And sometimes I really shouldn't. And I should spend more time with the the, the kid and I shouldn't half ass it. Yeah. I mean, the, the worst thing to do is to be physically present, but not 
emotionally yeah. or intellectually there. Yeah. So, um, so it's a fine balance. Yeah. It's a very yeah. fine balance. Yeah. And I haven't always got it right. And no. I, I'm, try, I'm trying to be better at it. Uh, I, I mean, I'm say, I, I was saying that because I, I'm more than willing to say that, yeah, there are times when you don't do that. But then obviously, like, you know, your part, um, you know, I, I'm sure my partner wouldn't mind saying this as well as that, yeah, the, the, there's times where she doesn't get quite it right either because, um, you know, um, you, you do, it, it is quite understandable that you always get, I, I find that it's good to be, get, end up in a situation where you give each other the benefit of the doubt because, um, the one thing I've, ex- the one thing I experienced, um, since my daughter's been here, I mean, it, it gets easier. I mean, we were talking just before we started this podcast about, you were telling me that like the sort of from my my daughter's now like four and a half months roughly and um you said like it kind of gets like really nice for the next few months because of the development and all that sort of thing but at the beginning um you know correct me if i'm wrong what like what if your view is different but um it does it does you do go for a period of time of it being really overwhelming um and it, and, and it's just finding like the right thing to do and 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 you, you know um and, and i i actually talked about this on mentally sound and i don't know whether you agree with this but um i don't think it's sort of looked at that men are affected as much as as women are because understandably obviously the physical the physical aspect of of of, of uh giving birth is is ridiculously hard and nine months of 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 uh of holding on to a baby and 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 in your body and stuff like that obviously that they go through like an amazingly hard time but i guess i'm just talking from the aspect of like supporting your partner and stuff like that that it's not often discussed talked about or or like considered difficult do you do you agree with that notion i think I think it's better than it was. Yes. Um, I think it's come a long way. Yeah, um, there's a balance, of course, because really, as you say, the primary focus has to be the mother and child. But of course, yeah. Um, it's yeah. I mean, there's a certain amount of as a guy, you kind of just need to suck it up and get on with it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> it, uh, and I did, you know, I've done my best with that. But at the same time, I've it's not been too bad actually. I mean, like when like at the moment Ariadne's got a terrible cold and every okay. time I hear her cough in the middle of the night or whatever and just like you know cough cough cry I'm just like my heart is wrenched but people do understand that this you know I'm being emotionally affected by that too I would do anything to take that cold off her and I mean I've got the cold as well but I'd have double the cold if I could take it off her but I can't and my, and those moments I think is when it's certainly for any parent it's the toughest when you you just you know, you're feeling kind of helpless in that in that sense, and you just desperately don't want to see your your child hurt. But sometimes they have to go through these things. Yeah, uh, definitely. And uh, and and there's certainly my my you know the fam my family has been very good at supporting with that. Um, but at the same time, I do tend even I deflect a lot of them onto Hannah, um, mm-hmm. to you know, and and baby because you know it's it's it. I mean, it, ultimately, at the end of the day, it's always going to be a more powerful impact on the woman than on the man i mean no don't get me wrong i absolutely love my baby with all my heart and i would do anything for her but the you know she i'm not i hannah makes food for her you know hannah's like her 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 her, or you know she orbits her and and they're they're, you know they they need each other they're they're a symbiotic life form at the moment in that sense so and i'm (laughs) i'm I'm a i'm a slightly third wheel but you know a very helpful very uh useful wheel that uh this metaphor is getting really out of control (laughs) i'm just going to stop there i think you you get what i'm saying i do get what you're saying yes uh indeed um and i mean um 
so I guess uh, the other aspect, of, I mean, I'm sorry, talk about being parents uh, for the whole podcast. It was just, I was, just, it was just interesting because it's a mutual thing that we both went through. But, um, but uh, I, I wanted to obviously talk to you about the writing, writing, uh, the writing because we just touched on it, and obviously we talked about it in the mentally sound thing we did. But yeah, because um, the last time you were on. Um, we were talking about obviously um, the, your second book, and we, when you were first on, we were talking about Wild Hunt and all that sort of thing. So, um, I, I guess because obviously the, the you know there are people who consistently listen to every episode, but for, for those who might be listening to this for the first time, um, just a little rundown, I guess, the little synopsis of like, um, well, actually, because um, we've got time to do this, maybe I know we would have discussed this in the first time you were on, but kind of just a rough idea of. Um, because um, I'm always curious about this, is just you know, because I know you did the the gaming company, which we touched, which you touched on quite a lot. I remember last time we talked to you. Um, but just why it then led to you wanting to write in the first place, and um, like what was the motivation, and what got you to the point of like going, I'm going to write a book, and particularly this story. Um. Well, so I've always been desperate to there's always been part of me it's always been writing short bits of stories snippets of stories or just as just as much as i make write bits of games you know uh, role, um, writing novels and writing role-playing games are very both very important to me and i built a so for 11 years i ran a video games company that i i built and went from a team of three to a team of 28 and during that process, I got divorced from the creative process, basically. Okay. Um, I started off, you know, I was the games designer. I was the, you know, you, I did the UI. I came back right the background of the else. And when I ended up at the end, I was chairman and business development director and doing human resources and things like that. None of which is, there's anything inherently wrong with and certain aspects of which I was really good at, you know, certain aspects of which I was, I'm sure I was really crap at. Um, but, Ultimately, uh, there came, you know, I had a health crisis and realized that there was a big difference between what I was good at and what I wanted to do. And my health basically collapsed overnight. And wow. after 11 years, I had to walk away from the company mm -hmm. and everything, you know, just give up everything, literally walk away with nothing. Um, and my health, you know, I, I had a, a physical crisis where the doctor said, basically, if you don't change your life, you're going to be dead in six months. Wow. And so um, I took his advice and I changed my life. And was that, I, and can I can I just ask, was that, was that, was that to do with um, like an underlying health thing that you already had or was it purely just being overwhelmed and overworked? Um, all of the above. So oh. I've got an inherited kidney thing called polycystic kidneys, mm -hmm. um, which doesn't affect you really until you're a an adult um but these days causes me tremendous pain and things like that um and each kidney is about the size of a newborn child so wow, okay um so but that didn't really affect me physically that much but at the amount of stress and everything else i was under i started having um i was just so exhausted i was working really ridiculously long week hours under tremendous pressure i mean you know i'd walk into a meeting and people would be like oh we need to delay so Govin needs to raise another 200 grand by the end of the week or we the whole thing's done and so wow. okay you know I'd, I'd be under the pressure of having like four days to raise two hundred thousand pounds okay I, um, I can understand that being stressful <laughs> yeah and yeah. and also you know i was you know running a studio that size i was spending you know fifty thousand sixty thousand pounds a week um and 
I started getting these what are called TIAs. They're trans ischemic attacks. They're kind of there are side effects that you, lots of people can get them, but they they particularly they, they do as I discovered in the last year or so. You can you're more prone to them if you have polycystic kidneys, and basically they're like micro strokes, and it feels like someone set fire to my brain just behind my temple, okay. um, like in the middle of my forehead, just behind there, and I become stupid my iq kind of drops my i become disoriented i can lose track of where i am and what's going on you know fall downstairs that kind of stuff just a whole range of things like like literally like a stroke but the reason the only difference is that they tend to be temporary effects rather than permanent effects or long-term effects with a a big stroke like a it's like a sort of micro version um and i was getting those and i got like I, i got i got several you know i i was getting them like daily and my my blood pressure went through the roof you know, I was taking antidepressants um, to try and get through. And I, yeah. I was taking them at such a level that the entire world looked like I was viewing it like I was watching it on a movie screen. Wow. Okay. You know, I, you know I, I got the sense of what it would be like to be schizophrenic without actually having schizophrenia. I don't yeah. have that. But oh. it, it, that disconnection from the reality that every person you meet is just like a character. They're not like a real person anymore. And you just, I uh, just hit that point. And the, when the doctor said they all this to me, I'm like, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I need to, I need to change. So, okay. <laughs> so that's why I stopped. Yeah. Um, makes sense. Yeah. And it was really hard. I mean, really, really, really hard. Lost some, lots of, lost friends, lost, you know, financially it was difficult, all sorts. Anyway, it was the right decision. It yeah. really was. And, and it sounds it. Yeah. Um, I'm still here, and I'm so, 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 so much happier. Poorer, but happier. Um, <laughs> but that doesn't but... necessarily... I'm glad you said that, because, I mean, I often say that, you know, um, I think part of the problem, correct me if... I mean, correct me if you think differently, but I, I find because we are living the, in a capitalist world that the idea of the pursuit of money, I think, is half the reason that people are unhappy. Um, well, I, you know, uh, uh, um, for everyone in a career, there's that pressure, and it's traditionally been a very male pressure but i yes. think it applies yeah. equally to women now in that you're defined by what you do yeah um and that your value is purely on your your economic value and etc cetera, etc cetera. um and that was hard for for me to let go of um like you know as hard as it is for for anyone else but um but i had to let go of it because i was either going to die or i was going to kill myself at that point and wow. Um, and I didn't really want to do either of those things. Well, I'm glad uh, you decided uh, to let to let it go. <laughs> yeah, no, so I, yeah. so I let it go, and I went away, and uh, some wonderful friends in America in a little town called Asheville in North Carolina, which coincidentally I have the keys to, um, wow. the city. Um, That's nice. Due to my work with the games and stuff like that. Great. Uh, but the they they got us over to stay. And to recuperate because it's really a spa town originally. All right. And okay. While I was there, I was like, "Well, I've got all these ideas. Maybe I'll start, you know, literally sitting in a coffee shop while my wife was walking around, and I was I was just feeling so exhausted, couldn't physically move, but my brain was buzzing. So I just started writing, and then that's how the Wild Hunt, my first novel, came around, which is um, sci-fi. I say sci-fi noir, but it's really more sci-fi action adventure with some sort of noirish stylings. Yeah. Uh, but and then um, then that followed up immediately with another story, the Dead Angels, which is you know a story of you know I've said before it's like sci-fi Scandi noir, uh, <laughs> but it's again the thing that ties together the one thing that's become apparent to me, which wasn't 
wasn't something I set out to do initially, but it has become just more and more core to everything I do is everything has to have hope in it. So um, then I then after that, I took a break to write, do some writing for Modiphius for Chris Birch and wrote yes. several books for um, Mutant Chronicles and all the Kickstarter backer stories and things whilst I was midway through writing The Firestorm Conspiracy, which is the third novel. Um, ah, yes, that, I, I remember the title now. I was, yeah, I was and, trying to write my brain about that, yeah. That's um, that slightly... Through my own doing, I'm not, this is not on anyone else, but that, that slightly hamstrung me and that it completely killed my momentum with the novel at that point. Okay. Um, so I had to go away and come back to it. And, uh, when I came back to it, I liked what I found and I carried on writing. And where it is currently at the stage is the, the novel is done, but I'm not happy with the ending. And right. the ending became twisted and didn't, it just, it didn't feel right. Great. And, also, I became slightly confused about what I was doing with my novels and where I was going with them because, like, the self-publishing market changed quite dramatically in the in the few years. Ooh. Uh, well, hold that thought because I actually need a pause, like I told you about. So yep. that's a great right. way of pausing because then I know where we're up to now. Um, okay. So we're talking about your new book and about the self-publishing changing because I did not know that. So my partner's on our way and my dogs are um, attacking me because I think they're aware of it. So, <laughs> like. Um, her Shih Tzu is like right next to me now, just like on my lap, trying okay. to be like. So yeah, we'll literally be. I'll literally be five minutes. I've just got to let her in because no um, worries. We have like a, a passage door that she can't open with the pram. So okay, um, that's fine. So I'll be literally five that's minutes. Right. Okay, do what you need to do. Thank you. Right, sorry about that. Are you still there, gonna? Yep. Awesome. Sorry, sorry about that. Um, that's right. It's okay. Yeah, it's I'm, I'm, I'm. <laughs> baby comes first. Yes. Um, and it doesn't always go according to plan it's just like uh, yeah sometimes it's like because my partner was like right I'll take her out and then you just don't know how long she's going to be so um, so yeah it um, it all it's fine it all worked out so yeah that was actually that's the reason I stopped because I thought that's a fantastic point because I know what you were t- well exactly what we were discussing and we'll just talk for another like 20 minutes or so okay um, if that's okay with you um, yep. so yeah so we were talking about um, uh, I'll find a way to segue this together I mean, we'll just be honest and say um so I took a quick pause uh, when I said to tell Gunnar to hold that thought because um, I had to let my partner in and all that sort of stuff. So um, that's why there's an unnatural pause that you'll hear. But uh, we were talking. So Gunnar was talking about you were talking about um, uh, the Firestorm conspiracy. That was the name of it, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Um, and saying that you weren't happy with the ending, and then you said so. So there's a couple of things we were in the process of talking about was you weren't happy with the ending, I guess, which we will get to in a bit. But I was curious about what you said because I. Have never self-published. What did you mean when you said about um, that the self-publishing world has sort of changed in the last few years? Because that, that that piqued my interest. So um, it changed in a couple of personal ways for me, and also in a couple of sort of slightly more objective ways. Yes. So in the personal way, I my health in the last couple of years has gone through some quite rough patches, which meant I haven't been able to get out much to do. Um, lots of promotion and trying to go to all the conventions like I was able, what used to be able to. Yes. Uh, I've been really struggling with that. And it's, that's been very, very frustrating because, you know, if you, if you, if you're not out there and people don't see you, then they're not going to hear about your book and they're not going to buy it. Yeah. So there's that, there's that aspect. But also I found that things like the way Amazon worked, they started trying to push all their Kindle users to use Kindle Unlimited rather than, um, by individual Kindle books. And there's, I had a lot of issues with signing up for that and my books aren't part of that because it's basically a way to quite drastically cut the amount of money that authors get 
in mm. certain circumstances from from your novels, yeah. um, which is already hard enough. Um, from exactly, what I, from right. what I know. Um, so anyway, they yeah. were already taking. Well, I mean, it, it is hard enough, but at the other on the other hand, the way it was before was, you know, I I I made a lot more with my first two novels than a lot of my friends who have big publishing deals. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. I made, you know, I make I made money on every single book sold. Yes. So I didn't have to sell millions. I mean. Yeah. Ultimately, I think I've mentioned this before, but I mean, my ideal is to work to the rule of a thousand fans. I don't yes. really need to appeal to everyone. I just want to appeal to a thousand people who I can potentially know all by name and just produce stuff for them. And you can you can make a living doing that. So yeah. that's um, a but, huge advantage of the way society is now. Definitely. Exactly. Yeah. And um, but also more realistic and practical, given my limitations. Yeah. Still still at the moment, probably quite a struggle because I do need to go to more conventions and be at more things like yes. I you know, I'm, I meant to go to UK Games Expo this year, but it's just not happening. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yes, it's so, but, but the other side with it was that if you didn't sign up for Kindle Unlimited, Amazon fairly did a good job of burying your book in the ratings. Oh, yeah. So, right. okay. so essentially now any sales I get, unless I pay them for, for marketing, um, you know, you have to pay like, yeah, it's it's several. It can be you have to but you have to buy ads basically. Unless you yeah. do that, you're not going to come up in front of anyone else. So all the sales I do are based on word of mouth or people meet, meeting me or you know hearing about my book from other sources. Yes. Um, and so the amount of books I was selling just very rapidly dropped away. Um, so that made put a pause on me about you know should I be spending this much time on the Firestorm conspiracy if it's not necessarily going to reach that many people initially? Because also the problem with Amazon is I can't contact everyone who bought my previous books and say hey i've got a new book out are you interested in it yeah uh, and point, yeah. um so so that that got me thinking and also at the time i was i'd i'd kind of for due to various things i had to put out a ver- first version of the role-playing game set in the same universe and um, so both the role-playing game and the novels are set they have the same starting point in date in the universe but they diverge um because my novels are not they're, they're free to be their own things. They're very different parts of me. They have different, you know, they're not novelizations of role-playing sessions, for instance. They're, you know, they are straight novels yeah. and the, the game is separate. Um, but also I didn't want one to spoiler the other. Yes. And so I did a first version of the role-playing game and it kind of went out a bit rushed and things got confused. And anyway, that, that didn't really work out the way I wanted. And actually I didn't end up earning anything from that. And didn't see any, even though it sold reasonably well. Um, but I took time to create a new second edition to properly spend time doing it to much to, to deepen the universe, to, to do all the crazy stuff that I've always wanted to do, but never kind of felt I should do like, you know, literally sitting down and making like a street map of Soho and victory in London, which is like an area where most of my stories happen. You know, so every street is named. I've, I've detailed hundreds of businesses there. I know all the people that are doing that. You know, I've basically trying to do the kind of, at things that I love from universes like Dune with the Dune Encyclopedia or yeah. Lord of the Rings or whatever, where you can really just throw yourself into the universe and bury yourself in it. And I've just gone crazy. You know, I've made my own um, tube maps for my version of London with their own fictional stations and, nice. you know, and both geographically and topologically. So the topological map looks like the, it doesn't look like the London tube map, but it's inspired by. Um, and, you know, guides to London and guides to, you know, how to police and things like that. And also I've changed a lot as a writer. I've improved. And so I've been working on that. And I, ha- I was fortunate enough to uh, meet Ken, who Ken Turner, who's 
an amazingly talented 3D effects artist, but it wanted to develop himself as an, as an illustrator. And so he's been working with me on the game. And nice. so I realized that basically I wanted to release the Fast Talk Conspiracy in related to that. So, so that, you know, that they all come out together so that the, you know, I'm bringing out the, the various role playing books, the, the novels, everything else. Um, and that they, they can sort of promote each other. Yeah. And and give different aspects. So some people are interested in the novel, some people are interested in the game, some are interested in both, and that's that's all good. So I've been doing the beta testing of the games and doing it all myself, and again doing it probably the hard way. But then um, rather than trying to partner with anyone particularly, um, but I I it means I've got control, and it's also been a very much part of my self healing process from recovering from a very low physical point, okay. and. Um, yeah, so that's, that's where I am now. So the, the game is in beta. The Fast and Conspiracy is finished, but it needed a, a, a scope to release it. Um, yeah. and then you also mentioned that you didn't like the, the ending. I mean, like, I mean, yeah. that's a tough one to talk about, I guess, because you don't want to say like, oh, well, the ending was this originally or whatever it is, but just it, feel free to generalize it if you want to. But what, what it, what in essence was wrong with what you wrote? Um, it, it's, it diverged from the spirit of the story and it, it just didn't, it just didn't feel, it just didn't feel right. I mean, you know, it's not that it lacked hope, um, which is very core to everything I'm doing. I mean, I don't, although it's sci-fi and there's elements of cyberpunk and things like that in it, I don't write dystopias anymore. Everything has to have hope. Everything has to be, you know, it's about how the players can make things better. Mm-hmm. And it always has been, but I hadn't made that front and center like I have now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just, you know, I wrote the, the, it just, it, oh, it's so hard to explain. I just read it and went, <laughs> no, that, that's, that's, that's not it. Was it just you your know, like I, instinct or hunch or just something? It just didn't, yeah. That feeling you had, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people would potentially be happy with it, but I don't write novels to be possible. I don't, <laughs> you know, I want to improve myself and I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, I've never had the urge to just get it out the door. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 um, you know, it's, it's, it's important to me that the characters are, that they're empowered, that they are resolved. And there was, there was a major character build up of one character. And I felt that at the end of the story, they hadn't delivered on that build up or that empowerment that they'd achieved. And that, 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 that self, that self realization and self that, that they, 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 the person, they, they had developed as their own person and they needed to express that yep. in the ending. Um, they couldn't just be a bit part character. Mm-hmm. And I realized that the character I thought was the main character in it was turns out not to be the main character. It, 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 it major, but not the main character. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and you know, it's just, uh, also I, I'm less interested in writing violence. And there was a bit too much of a shootout at the end of a book. And that's not really, that's not really how I resolve things in my life anymore. That's not, you know, like I'm <laughs> one of, one of the areas I do a lot of, I've been doing a lot of development on for the role playing game is, is this whole ca- aspect of the next campaign of deep space rescue. And that came very much out of the love of things like Thunderbirds, which are, you know, that's exciting. It's fast paced. It's scary. It's yeah. adventuresome, but it's not about killing people. It's about using all those skills to stop people dying. Yeah. And, and I think that, that was very important to me anyway, but as, as a parent with a child now, it's even more important to me that, that I, 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 I write things that are constructive and hopeful 
and still fun, but aren't just about, you know, that the violence isn't the solution to problems really it, it just causes new problems but yeah but that that challenge of having to save you know a crew from a spaceship that's gone out of control and has missed the jump point and is fl- heading you know flying towards the sun and everything else that's exciting you know yeah. that doesn't suck that's not a second rate experience <laughs> no, um, absolutely and, not, yeah. and i think it's you know and i think and that's not unique to me i think a lot of role-playing games are more and more interested in that um but i think it's the same with the novel in that i felt the the ending didn't feel constructive enough certainly at least for one character's point of view there needs to be sacrifice there needs to be all sorts of things but it needs to be there needs to be a, a purpose for it it's not i don't i'm not just writing blockbuster flashy action scenes even yeah. if i write them like they were blockbuster flashy action scenes it, it's funny because you you, you uh, it's weird that you said that because I, that i was actually um you reminded me when you said about like you know like a, a gun a, a, um like a gunshot uh what, what did you say um, um I've 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 lost the word, but a, a gunslinging uh, like action sequence or whatever um, uh, reminded me of um, uh, this uh, was it Superman where the the the, the uh, I think it was Man of Steel where um, like I really enjoyed the first half of the film because it was essentially about how Superman came to be and like the you know the sort of um the adverse like the, the the stuff he had to overcome uh, kind of kind of logic yeah and then the second half of the film was once he had it like he had he gained his powers within 5 minutes of the film and then they were like right and now the action and then there was like a 45 minute sequence of him just being thrown into buildings and yeah. and, uh, and and I, and, I, and i completely just like lost faith in it because I, I, I it think doesn't you could put yeah. on my tombstone I think a reasonable thing to put on my tombstone was he really enjoyed the first 30 minutes of the movie <laughs> um, because that's basically me with almost all all kind of movies. I love universe building. I love seeing a universe put together. I love yeah. I love that bit at the beginning of the extended edition of Aliens where you see like you know oh, Hattie's yeah. Hope Colony and in action. Yeah, because that means that gives all the later things you know meaning. Yeah. You know, that that's that 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 sets up. You know, I love the universe building. Like I. I built, you know, I love Alien for the same thing. I love the process of the ship. I'd happily watch, you know, a film that was literally about them just flying from place to place and wasn't yeah. about having to have an alien thrown into it to kill everyone. Yeah. The alien is interesting, but that's not why the universe is interesting. And I, I think, totally agree. I love the alien films for that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's, and that's, that's how I feel about stuff in general. I think I feel like the action sequence you know that loses if it loses that sense of what's unique about play, unique in place and time and about the setting and the universe and everything else then then why why are you doing it you know what's the interesting bit um, yeah because i mean it's it's the classic case of i mean because you know how like i i saw this say i mean it was a slight tangent we will get back to 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 books and everything but i guess it's it's all about like sort of a qu- quality over quantity and and I find myself when I watch these particularly I mean because obviously we're talking about superhero films because they're immensely popular at the minute and I find myself going what did you achieve in forty minutes that you couldn't have achieved in ten yeah that that's basically what I find myself saying a lot of the time and I'm going the answer is nothing it's but just also, to fill time yeah um, for me it was a realization that like. I think it was actually Die Hard 2. Um, <laughs> ah, when yeah. I was a kid, I really enjoyed Die Hard 2. And I, I like liked yeah, it this too. great and everything yeah. else. But now, I look at Die Hard 2 from where I am now, and I think, what would the newspaper report be the next day? It wouldn't be, you know, rogue cop saves airport, <laughs> everything else. It would be terrorists bring down British Airways flight kills 300, <laughs> yeah. rogue cop arrested. You know, it's, do you know what I mean? It's like, 
the yeah, whole shot, thing into it. shot several terrorists. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. supposed to celebrate at the end, but they're, yeah. you know, they're, but they're halfway through the movie, an entire plane full of people is brought down and killed, and I'm yeah. like, I like all those people, they're dead, you know, that's that's the story. It's not the yes, he saved all the other people, but like, it's not like a happy ending. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And and I'm interested in that. I'm interested in the the people. I'm I want to go. I kind of want to, you know, I, I build like. When I'm running uh, adventures for Broken Shield and we're playing street cops or whatever, yes. it's not unusual to not have any fights in the, the thing. You know, if a gun comes out, it's it's a serious thing. Of course, but yeah. the, But at the same time, you know, that's why there's different kind of... Cam- I, I run a mixture of campaigns. So I'm running police or I'll run the agency. And the agency stuff, that tends to be much more action-oriented and running, you know, saving, got to get here to do that before mm-hmm. X, Y, Z happens. And, you know, and then the deep space rescue is saving people. And it's it's just trying to explore all those different aspects of what's exciting you know what's the the process of investigation is exciting for cops while the, the process of saving people on a ship that's falling apart is exciting for deep space rescue but none of that is about the violence the violence can be the violence is there and it is part of our reality and it happens but it should never be without consequence yeah. and it should never be treated lightly it's you know um whenever i i i guess you know, I I, I realise that when I see someone has died in a plot, I'm like, you know, all those when they just casually kill a character, I'm like, well, that's all those years of experience and knowledge and understanding <laughs> and everything else that are gone. Yeah. Was that the was that actually the best thing way to deal with that? Mm-hmm. You know, was that the most interesting plot? You know, in, and if it's done offhandedly, was that was that good? You know, that 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 kind of thing. I like I I'm I just found myself questioning a whole bunch of things. And I'm, yeah. And so. I, that was when I realized that I have to write stuff and create universes that have hope and that are about player empowerment, but not in a, not in a, you know, I must have all the gold, not in a acquisition <laughs> sense. Yeah. Uh, but in a sense of actual achievements, like look at what I've done, look at, I've, you know, because we all want to be heroes, but what is it? What, you know, being a hero is, is complicated. We, we, yeah. don't, we, have the love story that we had with heroes these days mm-hmm. um in real life we only seem to have it in in fiction mm-hmm. uh, because if you hear like this amazing guy has landed this plane under amazing circumstances in reality chances are a week later you'll hear about how they dug into his past and they found out that you know he once i don't know he once kicked a cat or something <laughs> and, and take away his achievement of doing a yeah. exactly so and so it's, were you, you, know, were, you uh, were you referencing sully there uh because uh, um, that, that, um, I rewatched that fairly recently, and because um, obviously it was about Sullinger, the pilot who put the the, the plane on the um, Hudson River, which is like yeah. a ridiculously awesome achievement. But the film, even though that they the 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 investigators, because um, I always find like because one of my favorite shows, uh, not just that that, but um aircraft investigation which is on discovery because it talks yep. about aircrafts um uh, and what what why i'm fascinated about it it's they don't necessarily focus on um the, just the plane crashing and like the, the the media surrounding that they explain in really heavy detail like in some cases particularly for engineering they actually talk about why things work like yeah. in planes and, I, and i'm a big nerd for that kind of thing like i like i like ships for the same reason and all yeah. that sort of stuff um but what you often find when I watch that program, and it's the same in the film Sully, which is I think what it sounded like you were paraphrasing to some extent, yeah. is that pilots um, do something incredibly good, and then the insurance 
and the aircraft for fear of being sued by the people who are being saved because of something happening. Like, basically try and bury the pilots for saying that they did something wrong and get the pilots to take the blame so the company doesn't have to pay out. Yeah. And it's awful because you think about that example of where a guy, um, which is why Sully was such a powerful film because... You know, he had, a, it was a bird strike under like 4,000, on 4,000 feet where they were just ascending from the airplane. He had like about two minutes to make a decision on what to do. Um, you know, narrowly avoided hitting the bridge because he was realizing that like he had no chance to get to any airport. And then they basically say, well, you should have went to an airport straight away without doing, like, without, not thinking about safety checks, not thinking about the, the fear and the human element, which is what that whole, that powerful scene where he's like, you are charging us for being human, but there's no human element in any of the experiments that you're doing. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, I just yeah, thought no, you... I agree. And, and, and I think I'm, I'm in a role playing game sense. I'm and novel sense. I'm interested in the consequences of your actions almost yeah. more than the action themselves. Yeah. And, totally agree. and mm-hmm. you know, they all, they, the impact that has on you and the story to, you know, these are from a narrative point of view, from a, from a writer or games master or whatever, you, those are the bits that are really interesting, right? Those are yeah. the bits that create future, oh my god, I've got an ally or an enemy or, you know, I've got a link with this guy or, oh my god, this thing's happened. You know, that, why have we done these things? You don't, if you keep just dump, dumping all of that out the, the window, <laughs> um, with each reset. Yeah. And always having to do another prequel story or whatever, <laughs> you know, uh, then, then you're, you're just, you're just throwing away easy, easy wins as a narrative creator and as yeah. a, as an entertainer. And, you know, role-playing games and novels should ultimately be entertaining. But I think, you know, they're, they're, they're entertaining if they're compelling. If they, they don't have to be heavyweight. They just need to draw you out of where you are right now. Uh, maybe examine an issue that in a, out, in a different context that you can't deal with, you know, that's too, too touchy in reality, maybe. Um, but you deal with it in a different context. It pulls you out. You, you get that break. You have some fun. You have some stories that you can share with friends and everything yeah. else. And then, you know, you, you, you move on. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I used to, everything I did used to have to be kind of universe changing with the making computer games about climate change. But actually these days, I'm just, I'm really happy to just provide a safe space for people to just escape and have some fun and, but, but, but not have to feel like their fun is kind of, <laughs> all based on, you know, mindless violence. I yeah. mean, occasionally, every role-playing game, you know, occasionally you have, like, a crazy thing and something happens, whatever, but that shouldn't be the tone all the time. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, um, I, I, I do agree. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're sort of, um, you're sort of slight, um, I, I kind of get what you said in relation to, because um, when when we just did the little segment for Mentally Sound before we started this podcast, it, it kind of reminded me of what we were talking about on that, about um, sometimes, like, I really, the way that my mind is, is I really like, like you were just touching on, I love a story that feels authentic, particularly if it's a fantasy world like you were just describing, um, where it's been made up and really thought out and, you know, they've done endless amounts of, like, you know, planning, uh, planning around, like, before you've even got to the context of, like, where the book set or where the film set is, that they've got all this, like, historical, for for that situation, like that that fantasy world, they've created like an entirely different universe. Like I love when they do that, and that's endlessly fascinating. But then sometimes, if your brain's not particularly doing very well, or you're not feeling well, or whatever, occasionally throwing in a, a, a film where you know it's not gonna <laughs> like ruin your brain in terms of having to think com- like in a complex way, and it's stupid, but you kind of just get entertainment out of it. That's fine. I guess what we're talking about now is that if you cons- if that's all you do. 
then that's going to get boring rather quickly. Um, yeah, I think you, you need, you know, I, I, thinking about a great example of of some films that are fun but but aren't heavy. I mean, like Galaxy Quest. I watched that again yeah. like last week. That is a great film, and it's a great film because it's um, it 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 does they do deal with all sorts of issues and they do they don't they don't shy away from the fact that the characters are actors and they're, they're you know that and also that the that the fans are genuine in their fandom and that they they embrace all of that and that's what makes that so interesting it's not about it it's not about the story isn't about them defeating the evil lizard general guy it's the story is about them coming to terms with the fact that they they aren't that they they have to accept the fact that they're these that they're split personality that they're both the actor and the character and maybe they do need to bring the two kind of together and it's okay to do that and to embrace that and to you know to 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 revel in in that you may, maybe it is silly maybe it is throw away but it it, it mattered to people and it matters to them and yeah. you know it, it matters to an entire species in the film you know yeah. the entire, and and they have to take responsibility for that and that's fun mm. you know yeah. that's cool but it's still it can still be dealt with in a it's still dealt with in a light and fun way but it is a way more meaningful movie i think than a lot of yeah a lot of meaningful serious kind of you know yeah action. because i get what you're saying because it's not an out yet yeah, that's that, that, that is actually a really great example because obviously as well it's a great example because we're talking about sci-fi uh with in relation to your novels but um yeah, it's a really great example because, as you say, it's not an out-and-out out spoof. It's not like Hot Shots Part Two or something where it's just basically a bunch of scenes thrown together and it's a parody of, like, a million different things. It's a parody... I think the reason it works, it's a parody of one particular example of, like, one particular genre, you know? Yeah. So it's not floating around. It's not like... I mean, that's a criticism, like... Which I can sort of understand, but I think they missed the point, like... You reminded me while we were discussing this about um, South Park versus Family Guy, like the two, like the creators of both of them, and I happen to think they're both brilliant. Um, but um, the, the creators of South Park, um, Matt and Trey, um, criticise Family Guy because they do loads of like cutaway flashback things where they go, you know, that's a bit like such and such, and it it completely is a, like a fourth wall thing, or um, yeah. it completely derails from the plot of what the episode is, whereas. There's some examples in South Park, and I swear I think this is this is why it's such a genius program. Like for example, there's magicians who say they did an episode about John Edwards about um about um cold reading and about like and and South Park did it and like there's there's people like James Randi who have spent their entire life basically showing like frauds who basically you know make money off um vulnerable people yeah. and they think it's not real. And they prove that it's not real, but they always, they all say, and they've been doing it for like 40 years, watch the episode of South Park where they did it because it's the best example, um, yeah. because that's how animation can get away with it. But my argument in that, and then feel free to say what you think, is um, I enjoy Family Guy for the fact that it doesn't take itself too seriously, um, but I love South Park for being edgier and the fact, because like, not everyone likes South Park for that reason, but that's the reason I love them, because they, they deal with things that are complex and do it justice. So I, I don't think you necessarily you need to devalue one to appreciate the other. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, comedy is always much, much, much harder to write than drama. Yes. Because you, yes. you've got to the, the sense of truth in what you're writing you, you've got it has to real comedy where you make a real connection with someone is because you've said something that they're like yeah no that is true and it's funny yeah but it has to be well observed and and you yes. you actually can't play fast and loose in the way you can with drama i think comedy is criminally undervalued it's it's you know 
it's much easier to write dramatic fiction than it is to write anything with humor yeah, in. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, and that's why, you know, that's why I love, you know, why Terry Pratchett, for instance, is so beloved because not only was he a wonderful person, but, you know, it takes a skill to, to have that light hand. And he, you know, and he would have admitted himself it didn't always work, but it's, you know, he would, he would try and deal with stuff in a interesting and gentle way. And, but, but, but maybe had that element of humor that, you know, and that, that humor is what you connects you emotionally to it. Yeah. You know, um, and I think so, so absolutely humor. I mean, you know, as anyone who runs any role playing game knows that no matter how grim, dark or serious the setting is, you, a good, the, the things that define a good adventure or a good session or a good novel or whatever is when you find yourself just cackling. Just like uncontrollably weeping with laughter over just the silliest thing. Yeah, it's so you know, great. And, and and that's, it, you know, like you play like a, you know, I, we we played. Um, I remember we were running a game of Dark Heresy with, uh, you know, Warhammer 40k, and that's yeah. a really dark universe. But the darker it got, the more ridiculous and silly <laughs> everything got, and the more time we spent yeah. laughing. And that's that's a natural reaction. Yeah. Um. And so yeah, no, I think I think. I think you're right. I think it's uh, if you can observe uh, a situation and or explain a phenomena in a comedic fashion that is entertaining, then it is going always going to be far more impactful than just explaining it in, in another way. But it's it's. But at know, the same time, it doesn't devalue like as as brilliant as that is. That like that's that's what I was saying in regards to Southpaw. But as brilliant as that is, it doesn't necessarily. It doesn't mean that as we were just discussing when you said about the silliest things, it doesn't mean that silly humor cannot be appreciated for an entirely different reason no absolutely um, and and you know sometimes i you know there's like i keep seeing this comic pop up where people are like like Shh, just let people enjoy things it's yeah. fine you know it's yeah it's fine as long as no one's being hurt it's just it's okay to just enjoy a thing for what it was yeah and what it is yeah and so yeah no that's cool yeah uh, I yeah I, I i always quote whenever i have these discussions because this comes up in the podcast quite frequently um i always i quote the great billy Connolly because um he he said this in an interview i saw a while ago where he basically when I found out later in life and I wish I would tell people who are younger and tell my younger self if I could tell him anything, it would be there's no di- there's not really a um like a, a like or dislike there's just you don't get it um yeah. like as in it's not for you um it doesn't mean that it has any less value because you decide you don't like it that's why he thinks he basically was saying it's kind of futile to kind of look at things in a like and dislike way it's either you get it or you don't get it and if you don't get it then you can just dis- not dismiss it like as in you like kind of be all aggressive and be like i dismiss it and therefore everyone else shouldn't like it because i hate it it's just no you don't get it and he's like and he gave an example like you know like i think the joke he did was like like justin bieber i don't get it but it's not for me it's for other people to appreciate like it's appreciate his music and who he is but i don't get it i prefer listening to a folk folk musician but it doesn't mean i'm right and they're wrong yeah Um, no absolutely i i agree with that i think um if we're talking about things to teach your 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 younger self though as I, I would add to that as well just just patience just take yeah. your time it doesn't have to all happen immediately <laughs> it's okay to it's okay to take some time to craft something and yeah. to to improve it and in fact when you do just when you do just continuously rush everything out the door and don't take time to appreciate it that's when you do become more obsessed about you know this is terrible this is right this is whatever yeah. once you you step back and it's not, you know, it's not like, not everything has to be life or death. It's just, yes, I like this film. Oh, you don't like it. Great. You know, I used to say, 
oh god you've got to watch babylon 5 or something for example to people but (laughs) now i'm like actually there's nothing you have to watch you know don't you know and in fact every time anyone ever said to me you've got to watch this or you've got to watch that it kind of immediately got my back up and i'm like well i'm not going to watch it or whatever but yeah it's like yeah fine you know and the reason i think that someone would want to watch that is because it was very meaningful and meaningful to me at that point in, in time yeah. in my life yeah and maybe it still is but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be meaningful to the people now because context has changed you know? yeah uh, and that, that doesn't make it any less valuable no um particularly to you it doesn't mean that if somebody else doesn't like it you don't still like it or whatever no and i remember all the wars back in the days between people going oh you can only like deep space nine or you can only like babylon five it's like well maybe you can actually enjoy both yeah um or you know hate both you know it's whatever but um but just it's that's okay that's all right and and you know it's it's that's what i try and do these days is i'm not really not trying to make stuff for everyone there's going to be a lot of people who are going to look at my stuff and go you know what that's not for me i'm not interested in cops <laughs> an agency, yeah. whatever and that's cool but i i'm looking i'm interested in the people who are interested in it and that's fine and mm-hmm. um and i don't think that makes it any less or more valuable than anything else um it's valuable in the sense of the time and effort and crafting that's been put into it but that's yeah. a value to me it doesn't mean to determine how other people are going to objectively view it absolutely yeah and uh if you ever like um because obviously you know i I spend my i I spend a lot of my time because this is the thing i love to do is to to have conversations with people and interview people and i've done it for a long time and um like i see people who you know were deemed if you put people in a kind of um like prism and and people would say well that person's more successful than you are but even the people who are deemed successful in that remit of like social status or they've got more people listening or whatever it is all say which I'm pleased that they, well, not all of them, but the ones I respect do, who go, it, it's not about the, the, the amount of, the, the amount of people you get is kind of a fluke. It is really down to, it is really in the sense of it, you know, like if you do a good job, you'll get a good amount of people. But when you get a ridiculous amount of people, that is down often to just the look of the draw. It is yeah. as long as you feel, as long as you feel that you're committed to something and, and doing things to the best of your ability and enjoy the process of what you're doing. Then, then you've already won. Then, then, then more people in the world because I think that's the thing that, you know, one of the reasons I love doing this podcast and and having these discussions with you with with people like your good self, is that I think people really legitimately don't think about going. But if I just love the process, I'm actually doing more than a majority of people actually do. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I think I think so. I think you know, it's I've I've made so I've made computer games that have been played by millions yes. of people like mm-hmm. millions and millions and millions of people yeah. and i've made i've made computer games that have been played by people you could count on two hands <laughs> yeah uh and i've put the same amount of effort into both yeah and sometimes it's just a matter of timing and zeitgeist and stuff beyond your control yeah that doesn't and and sometimes at least in the case of one of my games it was because it was shit um, <laughs> and the other one was great but i don't know i i i'm and you're not always sure why one became great and when why one became terrible when you feel like you put in the same process and the approach and everything else mm-hmm. um but that's just the nature of the the game and that's the nature of the process and and you know i i i just enjoy i i i'm enjoying the journey of getting there i like getting you know i'm i'm going to have a whole bunch of role playing books finished and launched this year i'm just working on the layout at the moment um and the novels and everything else and that's great that's but that's pretty much purely because there's more stuff i want to write 
and I can't physically fit it into those books anymore. So I think it's time to do some new books yeah. um, and move on. But it's just a continuous process, and I think that's that's fun. Yeah. You know, that's that's, and I and I'm taking it. You know, I, I'm taking it less personally if something isn't zeitgeisty because I have no, you know, the the timing can be everything. I mean, I, you know, when I did the when I did, uh, we were doing Fate of the World, the computer game that I did on Steam. Uh, gosh, 2011, so it's eight years ago now. Yeah. But I mean, we were getting front page covers on, you know, The Guardian. We were getting all these interviews, doing everything else. It was so zeitgeisty. Was it? <laughs> I mean, was the game any better than some of the other games that were out there? Probably not, you know, I think. Yeah. Um, but it's, it, it just, it hit that moment and that doesn't, that, and that didn't devalue those other games, you know, there's, or those other projects that people have been working on. It's, it's, um, I do think ultimately quality does win out in that yeah. you may not be acknowledged immediately, but if you produce everything to the, to a quality that you think that you're genuinely satisfied with, um, which does take time because that's the hardest thing to learn to let go of, to just say that is the quality and time to move on. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. once you get there, I think then ultimately you've got more chance of it being successful or being picked yeah. up or being recognized or understood. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it will be because we've all, we've all got so many demands on our time. The chances of us seeing any of these things <laughs> is very, is very yeah. small. Yeah, um, it, and it actually just as a, a passing comment, and then we'll, I'll, uh, we'll 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 wrap things up. Is to just say, um, it's a bit like what you we were we were talking in the segment we did for mentally sound about um about um like sort of uh, the the depression you feel while d- being in the creative process, and then we were talking about you know the the the, the fact that actually having that depression and having that um um. Uh, the, the, uh, okay, oh, oh. <laughs> you just um, sent me a message. Um, yeah. Is there, is yeah about um, about that motivation and that like sort of doubt and depression and all that sort of stuff that you have throughout the creative process leads you to um, uh, leads you to actually want to do the thing in the first place. It's actually the strength you need to actually want to do the creative thing in 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 any case. So um, yeah. as much as I understand what you said, like I, I completely understand and I agree with you about the whole. You know, it takes time to develop it, but also at the same time, I think the key to being good at something is always like, because people sometimes think of this as a as a negative when you like nitpick at something and go, I could have done that bit slightly better. But like, I find what what makes me better, like you know, obviously because you'll have bumps and you might do a terrible job because you don't feel good or so, all that sort of stuff. But in general, in terms of the way you approach stuff, is I'll probably finish this podcast and listen to it back and be like, oh, I should have like. I, could, I should have um, phrased that question better or because we do a stream of consciousness type thing is that I might think that afterwards. But that's the thing that I want to search for. Um, I do kind of like pat myself on the back if I think I did a good job, but I'm always searching for the thing to to work on and to be better at because I think that is what you need to have to oh, ultimately yeah. be good at something because if you, you don't keep, have that, you, then... You have to keep learning and picking up new skills every yeah. day, otherwise you start to kind of rot. I mean, I've learned to... My recent, most recent skill is I've learned, although I designed user interface and I designed computer games, I never actually made like a, a program, like an app. Yeah. So I just sat down and I learned Python. I've just built, I've been writing, uh, building companion apps for the role playing game. Great. So kind of paper game so that That's people fun. can play, yeah, have, you know, um, digital versions of the decks of cards and the dice rolling and the character management and everything else on their phones. My, my end aim is that everyone be able to play the game with just their phone if they want as a role-playing game. You don't need to necessarily print stuff out, although you absolutely can because that's, you know, whatever works for you. Yeah. But I, it just makes it more accessible to more people. But it's also been, for me, a really fun learning process, having to understand how to link together 
the logic of the game with the actual user interface experience, which it's not, you know, I, I, I say I, made, I ran a comedy games company for 11 years. I never did that before, which is crazy. But but now yeah. I'm learning and now I'm doing it and it's fun. Yeah, good for you. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I, so yeah, I guess to sort of to summarise, I mean, we've talked about uh, quite a lot of things. It's been hugely fun. Um, so when you said about, um, so you said they with Broken Shield, you've got some role playing stuff coming out. Um, and in yep. terms of the Firestorm conspiracy and whatnot, have you got a rough? I mean, you said towards the end of the year, have you got a rough idea, or is that just as specific as you can get? Um, well, I really need to have it done before Dragon Meet in December at, l- at the latest. Ah, yes. I, is that the one like... that's in London? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we'll, we'll I always want to go to that. I might try and uh, I might yeah. try and see if I can. Yeah. We're we're there every year. Yeah. Um. So for definitely for there, but I I intend to have all the books and stuff out there sooner. So uh, the the novel will go out for the equivalent of beta testing. So I guess reader feedback. Um. In the next couple of months, I think. And the the role playing game is currently an open beta testing. So I'm testing at the moment and doing running online sessions and physical meetups and stuff like that. Um. But that's in being all being laid out. So they'll be like you know several books all coming out this year and they've all kind of come together um so i'm at that stage Great. so um mostly because i've got more books that i need to write so i need to get these ones done and then they are done <laughs> i'm happy with them but i need you know there's no I, i've got to write like you know i i need to write more about deep space rescue and i need to write more you know and i maybe uh i need to do a campaign aimed at younger players for the game as well with much like slim down rules and stuff like that and things like that all those kind of different bits and pieces so it's good that the the writing has come to a stage. So it's at the moment it's just being a lot of my stuff's just being reviewed just to check that I haven't lost track of hope um, amongst it. Oh, and and lost track of it being very British. Um, <laughs> I'm glad to hear I, it. I've de-Americanized pretty much everything I've written. Not not by having anything against America, but I, it was it was just me being lazy. And <laughs> I'm I'm proud of the country I'm from, and you know. Yeah, you know, yes, I'm half Swedish, but I've always lived in pretty much almost always lived in the yeah. UK. Yeah, yeah, and I love. Britain and I want to you know we have the best slang in the world I think <laughs> yeah and, I agree with that yeah and we have the best you know some of the best you know just amazing bits of history and bits of things and the more I, I weave those into what I write the the more interesting it is and the more personal it is and the less you know you know we, we it just you know I, I have I, I'm also a huge collector of kind of books of of crazy slang so the current book I'm reading at the moment is The Vulgar Tongue which is um it's slang from the 17th century. It was written alongside the first dictionary, and it's all the words that they refused to put in the first dictionary. And it's just amazing amount of really horrifically rude terms, <laughs> but they're really great, and they're just so they're so British. See, uh, that's the thing I like because I mean that example would be people probably going, "Oh, that's so like uh, ridiculous, or whatever," and that's got so like no, like, that's got that's, that's no high standard. So what if it makes you laugh then? Then, yeah. then it's good. Well, I mean, I, lo- I just love the fact that they refer to they referred to empty bottles of alcohol as marine officers because they were both considered fucking useless. <laughs> uh, I'd like to say that. That's, yeah. That's, yeah no, okay. No offense to the real Royal Marines now. I mean, they're great, but I mean, but in the context of when they were writing, I think it's you know it's just um, it's uh, yeah, exactly so. Great. Uh, so what, that's why I enjoyed doing the tube map. So I got to put in things like stations like. Um, uh, Apple Squire, which is Elizabethan slang for a pimp, um, which really? I okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, and just stuff like that, which is just why have I put that in? Why? What am I doing? Stuff, you know, it's just it's all a bit of fun. So anyway, yeah, slight cool. digression there, but no problem. Um, but yeah, so um, you sent me um on uh, so I've actually um I, I broke one of my rules because I hate t- if I'm if I'm podcasting from home I don't like um. 
typing, but I typed in for a reason because I was looking at your uh, Broken Shield website, which you just sent me. It looks yeah. it looks really cool. It's a, is this, is this still in beta? Did you say? Yeah, yeah, it's um, in beta, beta at the moment. I've got a I've got a Discord channel with a growing community where I'm on all the line all the time. I don't really use things like Facebook and Twitter that much. I'm I don't but, either. Uh, um, I, I think, I them, think yeah. they're. Yeah, no, I find kind of both a bit too corrosive for my soul. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> Discord, I enjoy. I have a really good friendly community and I'm running online sessions well, and stuff. I'm on Discord, so I may, I may very well join your uh, open beer. <laughs> yeah, no, please do. Please do. Um, uh, yeah, so, I use Discord um, for games and stuff because I find it's uh, really useful for games. So. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so it's, uh, um, for those that are listening, as, uh, cause as I say, when we wrap things up, just to say, a um, couple of websites for people to check out, um, obviously, uh, uh, com. that's G-U-N-N-A-R-R-O-X-E-N.com, uh, where you can find information about The Wild Hunt, which is his first book, uh, Dead Angels, which, as I say, I both have copies of, and I think they're generally good. Um, you can find, like, some reviews about it and whatnot, um, a little bit of blog and all that sort of stuff. Um, and then, uh, as you just mentioned, the role-playing game that he does called Broken Shield, which we've def- which we discussed on the old. Uh, we've we discussed this in more. De- I know we can only touched on it in this episode, but if you listen to the other episodes that Gunnar's been on, I know we talked about this a lot more because I think there's a nice fun context to end. It was something like five years ago. The first UK Games Expo I actually went to was when I met Gunnar. Um, your good self, um, because you had a stand and you were um, promoting stuff like this. So um, yep. it's kind of nuts to think it was that long ago. Because yeah, that would have been my first year of actually doing Geek Apocalypse. So yeah, um, wow, um, yeah, because that's when I met Chris for the first time. So yeah, and, uh, um, time, time really flies. It really does. Yeah, yeah. Um, and one of the reasons I um I thought of asking you because I've got another um friend of mine who's wrote wrote a book about um bipolar uh, that I want on uh, to come on. Uh, um, it's because I've been sort of writing a, and the reason I thought of you as well is because I'm pleased you said that you don't become a writer until you stop writing, um, which I kind of understood anyway. But one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is because of my like, as I I touched on like very very briefly, um, I've been like sort of coming up with an idea for a book since since like sort of the um towards the end of last year and. One of the things that my partner in particular, when I riff things about the stuff that I'm doing, I don't talk to her about all of the stuff, but she finds it fascinating for the fact that I keep showing her because I'm not really a drawer and I just sit and I've been drawing characters just to come into my head and I've been coming up with like sort of the backgrounds of who they are because I've got a general idea about the, the about like where it's set and all this sort of stuff and and I absolutely love the process and and she finds it like the process of going um well if they end up in that situation how have they got there and then why is that per- why is that person there and then why is that relevant and it, it really like screws with your head but it just it's so rewarding because you just it's so like much of a challenge and not what i'm used to and i just absolutely love it and my partner basically the thing that she finds fascinating is that i said that oh i'm gonna write like some sort of sci-fi book i've not wrote like virtually no words at all all i've been doing is writing like words in terms of like like gone chapter one i've literally been writing the backstory in like my own universe to this setting and um so when you were talking about what you do for your books i'm like I, it resonated with me in terms of like the the endorphin buzz you get is i'm really enjoying the process basically yeah to say. well i mean um, terry pratchett said writing is the most fun you can have on your own yeah and uh i i, I don't know I, mean, I like game design too and things <laughs> like that but 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 any i think any creative process like that is and it is fun and it is important to enjoy it um enjoy that process because you're expressing yourself and it's yeah it doesn't really matter if anyone else ever likes it um i you know write for yourself write for your partner write for your friends maybe um it's always good to have a kind of little if possible a kind of 
helpfully constructive writing group. Um, I yeah. found that was always very encouraging just to, to get other perspectives of people who aren't there to, to cut you down, but are there to you just to help you improve. But it, you know, like they don't say this is bad. They're saying, yeah. you, know, <laughs> you thought about doing it this way or whatever. Yeah. And that does help. And yeah. it's, it's nice to get feedback because I think, Sooner or later, although you are writing for yourself, you do kind of you do want people to give you feedback, and you just have to remember that any feedback people give you is a privilege. The fact that they've actually taken the time to give a shit about Absolute, what you're doing, yeah, yeah, because and yeah, but and, but as you say, it's like you sort of um maybe give it to the 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 trusted element of your of your like circle, maybe or someone that you, you sort of know, because yeah, I think it's very damaging if somebody goes like it's shit, and here's why. Like it, it there are there is a way to kind of give. Uh, some feedback but yeah you're absolutely right it is a privilege if someone went oh i've actually took the time to read like your first draft or whatever or your the, your third draft because i'm sure you know you I, yeah. I you know whatever it may be and go he like because i can totally understand where that would be like i mean I, I don't know like offhand but i'm just thinking as a as a like sort of um to picture it in my head is i could see why it would be totally useful for somebody to be like oh i actually don't understand why that character did this or that doesn't make sense and why did that like in in this particular chapter i did it why i don't know why that person did this and i didn't quite get what you were trying to say or bloody blah, 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 blah i could see why that'd be super useful because if you're in this sort of prism of doing this by yourself and like you know confined to like a room or a cafe or whatever writing this is that you might not you might not have like been able to get that perspective by just doing it on your own you know yeah. so um so yeah no it's, uh, perspective is good i mean that's why i love role-playing games so much is that your players will always do stuff that you never in your wildest yeah. dreams thought they would do and yeah. that's really good fodder any kind of gaming experience like that is good fodder for a novelist because it makes yeah. you think outside of that literal box yeah, and it always, yeah, I, I, that's a very good example. Yeah, because you always find yourself going, like a person would go, but why? And then if you're like the, you, the other, the other, you know, DM or GM, however people want to phrase it, and you go, you have to like think on your feet. That's actually where you are actually like, you know, crafting something, like literally as raw as it can be to go, like, why would that happen? Oh, that's a very good question. Oh, okay, well, this is why, uh, and this is why, and then that leads to this, and that leads to something else, and yeah, yep. it, it, I, I totally agree. That's one, that's one of the things I say about with people whenever they ask me about role playing games is that, yeah, it's such a unique experience. Um, yeah. I find, uh, yeah. Cool. Well, um, it's been so much fun catching up with you, Gunnar. Um, as I just said, in regards to if you are going to Dragon Meet in December, I might try and see if I can make that. Um, yeah, because um, as I'm sure you can appreciate, like you, you were just touching it with your own daughter, is that like it's really hard to get to do things <laughs> when you've got a small so child. Um, <laughs> so yeah, hard. I mean, I'm not going to UK Games Expo. I haven't been in a couple of years, which I regret because I do like it. So and the people who run um, it are wonderful. And I really want to go there and catch up with people. I mean, it's where I met most people like you. So yeah, I do want to go. I just haven't been able to. But yeah, yeah it's I not just your good self. Yeah, because one of the things, like I legitimately say this sincerely, is that like you know. One of the reasons, one of the things I missed, because I did this right at the start of Geek Apocalypse, and like I still do travel, but it's a lot more local. Um, I used to love going to conventions because, like, you know, you meet some genuinely nice people like yourself, and it's really nice to have that rapport, and like, because you, you, you know, it's people that you don't hang out with all the time, and then you start like, you know, learning a bit of things and start like, um, you know, like developing like, um, you know, just maybe they might help you with your own ideas, or you might like, you, you basically like you know, putting yourself into different surroundings. And uh, I, I do miss that. So that's why I'm, I'm trying yep. to, once my daughter's like old enough that we can, you know, maybe get a babysitter and not feel so bad about it and, uh, and all that sort of thing or, or, or find a way or maybe take, take them with us or something that um, 
Um, yeah, I've always been invited to Dragon Me, and I've never went, and it sounds like a wonderful idea. So um, yeah, I'll, I'll it's try. Very, it's a very friendly convention. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. So, well, cool. Good talking well, to you. Oh, yeah, you too, and um, continued success with all your... Um, I'm so pleased that you have kept up... Um, you know, because I'm assuming it's you know it has peaks and valleys like we've just discussed in this podcast. But like, I'm so pleased that you continue with the the books. As I said, you were very kind enough to send me multi- you sent me two copies because I remember we did a competition and actually um gave some away. I remember when we did that yeah. at the beginning. So yeah, that was that was fun. Um, and yeah, I have hey, I have look, I, any opportunity to get the stuff out in front of more people is always yeah. good. You know. Yeah. No. So yeah. Well. I, yeah. So I'm. Yeah. We know of at least um uh, of one of one person who we actually sent the books to. So yeah. And I have copies. And and as I say, um. I, people who listen to this regularly know this but one of the reasons about having people on is that it's basically my way of con- of like sort of um backhand compliment of saying the person who i have on i generally think does good work and stuff and i really hope that people listen to this um you know uh, buy your books and then uh, hopefully find out about the firestorm conspiracy because um it sounds I- i'm really i'm really interested about it so um i'm i'm looking it's forward a good book it. i'm really chuffed with it i just need to finish the damn thing <laughs> well good luck with that i'm sure you, you won't need any um encouragement it sounds like it's going well so um yeah and uh and uh congratulations again on your daughter um, that's, and, and um, you too yeah. yeah wonderful news i'm really that, that was a real pleasant surprise hearing that well um, when they're a little bit bigger we'll have to get them to do some gaming together yeah that would be awesome yeah i would love that yeah, i'm I'm always um, up for you know I, lo- I love the northeast so i'm i'm sure we'll be happy more than happy to come up your way at some point yeah um yeah absolutely and um uh I mean, obviously, we don't have to. It doesn't have to be like a. a yeah, we totally have a just gathering or something. But yeah, you should come and see the. Um, if you wanted to, you could come and see the studio for Mentally Sound too, because it's a really nice little space, and yeah, um, we could totally do something. But um, but totally, yeah, no, yeah. and yeah, but I'd love to do like um, yeah, that, I, I will, I'm sure I'll take you up on that offer because um, that's one of the things when you have a baby that's small is you always are trying to think of things to do with other with other humans, like with other adults. So yeah. like having like a, you know, what's it called? What is it called when with young people getting together? It's like a, um, a baby meet or something. I can't remember. Yeah, There's yeah. an actual phrase, but I can't. It's, um, it's, um, play dates. Play dates. Thank you. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Thank you. Um, yeah. So yeah, play dates I'm always up for. So yeah, um, I will, I, we will be in touch. And um, I, I actually, um, it, uh, I, I mean, I'm asking this, this in the recording, but I'm sure you wouldn't, wouldn't, don't care, yeah, but, yeah. um, but yeah, um, I mean, um, I am legitimately like working very hard on this book and everything else, and I'm not even close to like even starting writing it. But um, at some point, I'm sure I'm going to ask you for your input if you're willing. Um, yeah, well, I'm thinking. I've been thinking about setting up a little uh, writing group on Discord actually, because oh, I've been. Well, I've, I've met several other writers. Oh, great! It, and right. So we should definitely talk. Great. Well, once I feel confident um, that I've I've got somewhat of a like completed story and everything else, then uh, I will definitely. Um, love people's opinion because I definitely want to come across as someone who's taken it in a humble sense and of like totally a new environment but that's one of the reasons I'm excited by it um, you Sh- know. share it in smaller chunks yes. I would advise a okay. smaller chunk like a few thousand words at a time is good because yeah. uh, then people don't get overwhelmed and give actual yeah. kind of constructive feedback <laughs> yeah good idea yeah and then what so yeah so i will i will keep you posted on that and um yeah but thank you for doing the segment on mentally sound and thank you again for for talking to us for over an hour that <laughs> Always was really a pleasure. sweet great right um well um uh, oh, okay, I'll, I'll talk to you in a second, but I'll end the podcast like I always end. Huge thank you to Gunnar Roxon. Obviously, check out his websites, like I just mentioned, brokenseal.co.uk and uh, gunnarroxon.co.uk for all his novels and such. And uh, it's been a real pleasure, and all he's me to say is a huge thank you to him and to yourselves for listening. And I end the podcast like I always end in the words of the great B-movie Robert Josh Crash and Burn, and we'll see you very soon for another edition of the Gay Podcast. Thanks, guys. Take care. Bye.